Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Let's have all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. Welcome to RuPaul's Drag Race Recap Show for Season 13, Episode 10, titled Freaky Friday Queens. My name is Taylor the Latte Boy, and I'm joined, as always, by one completely delusional, if he thinks I'm going to read what's on the script, co-host. The poppy of Afterthought Media, please say, This cow is speaking <laughs> to Joe Batanz. Hello, Joe. Hello, Taylor the Latte Boy. But whatever you got in the script, I did not write. <laughs> I didn't write it. Luke Stamen is our producer. He writes the scripts. He writes introductions. I don't know even know what was on there. Mm-hmm. You don't ever edit them. No, not at all. Nope. <laughs> I always just take whatever Luke writes on the page is gospel. And uh, that's what I do. So, okay. Yeah. How are you this week? I'm doing... Taylor, we just talked for 35 minutes. What do you mean? You know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> But not everybody hears that. Yeah. And not it, everybody is a Patreon member. Yeah. And they really need to sign up for it. Because if you were a Patreon member, you would get to hear, though we don't know how, yeah. through some sort of weird magic wiretapping thing, mm-hmm. you'd get to hear a conversation that we had about armed standoffs. Yeah. And Joe's need to get a spice, mm-hmm. to, to put his own life at risk, to get sure. to get a spice yeah. for a disastrous recipe. Mm-hmm. We talked about movies that make us sad mm-hmm. or movies that make us cry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about all sorts of stuff on, on, um, a, on a time that we like to call between the two of us just between us girls everyone taylor started crying <laughs> talking about- i didn't cry i got all of a sudden a well of emotion just sort of started to rise up but like a good therapist i tapped down my feelings as much as possible talking about- so they can come out sideways later on when i yell at my husband because he moved something in the kitchen talking about a Whoopi goldberg movie i think <laughs> i think it was jumping jack flash i don't know yes what- yes yes it was he- jumping jack flash <laughs> what was the one where she did with ted danson Made in America, not yeah. Made in America. That sounds is it right. Made in America. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, is it so? Remember Whoopi Goldberg and Ted Danson dated? Yeah, and he did blackface. Oh yeah, at a roast of Whoopi Goldberg, and it was a super controversial. Right. Oh, he would be and so canceled now. I was gonna say, and he still has a career. Yeah. Oh, he he did blackface at the right time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there's always a right time and a wrong time yeah. for blackface. Yeah. Oh my god! Imagine if he did that now. Oh yeah. my goodness! I was yeah. actually thinking you wouldn't be able to walk on the runway with this week's challenge. Well, you know what's so funny? I was actually just thinking about this the other day. About you know, everyone is so sad that uh, Robin Williams is no longer with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just brief historical note, by the way: committed suicide right after performing with Lori Roddenkamp. Whole other story. <laughs> and um, and rightfully so, <laughs> rightfully so, Robin Williams, national treasure. But I was thinking. <laughs> He kind of pushed, you know, he was an envelope pusher, and I wonder if he would be canceled, if he would have been canceled had he still been alive. 
I think there's a good chance he would be. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that there would be. Well, I think that you would have. Oh, I could I could go down a I could go down a rabbit hole with this mm-hmm. one, but I think at some point it would be that he, he, because he played a character that was based in um in uh, a story from the Middle East, yeah, from that region that he and he was not of Middle Eastern descent. Not that I I don't think he was. No. Um, that that could be a problem. I mean, I think that you could really find a reason to cancel just about anybody at this point. Well, it's and, so funny, but you know, there's that whole like you know, I can't remember who made the quote. It's like a, it's, when you know who made the quote, it's not a famous person, but you know, the you know, talking about the Nazis and like, first day came for the Jews, and I didn't say anything, right? Blah, blah, blah. It's the same thing here because, you know, Aiden, my boyfriend, is so pro-cancel culture, right? Which, by the mm-hmm. way, I don't give a shit because I don't think anybody ever really gets canceled. There are, there are a few people who really do get canceled and they're worth it, like, you know, Kevin Spacey. But for the most part, yeah. you're, just, you're just put in a penalty box for a few months, okay? Right. Anyway, so I don't give a shit. Cancel whoever you want. But the point I'm making is... Did you? So he's like, oh yeah, cancel this. That's so offensive. Pepe Le Pew, cancel that. You know, whatever. And then I told them they were coming for Miss Piggy, and he <gasps> lost his motherfucking mind. They're coming for Miss Piggy. Supposedly, that's what I saw. Why? Because Kermit tells her no, and she, you know, forces herself on him and doesn't take. You know, no means no. I'm not being funny. <laughs> you can put it in Google. Well, okay, yeah, I, okay. So the Pepe Le Pew thing that makes sense because on my Apple TV, like if you scroll through with iTunes, mm-hmm. and it said like the number one video was apparently some Pepe Le Pew video that everybody's yeah. buying for like eight dollars. That is a bunch of. I always like the Pepe Le Pew. I mean, I can understand where it would be, you know, problematic as the kids say, mm-hmm. but ultimately, it's funny. So. That's that's what I like about it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I get the Pepe Le Pew thing because he was essentially sexually assaulting these these cats or skunks, and uh, and I think very impressionable minds watch this and think that's okay. Like my mom the other day, now different strokes. The TV show with Gary Coleman is mm-hmm. now running on like Antenna TV or Me TV or one of those things, and it was on because that's all my parents watch, right? And my mom was walking through the room as my dad was watching Different Strokes, which, by the way, I loved as a kid. What a horrible show. This oh, was. God. It's a horrible, 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 show. horrible show. Awful. Yeah. Right. But it was on and my mom's walking through the room and she's like, I just hear like, uh, ah! you know, and I go, <laughs> I go, what's the problem? And she goes, oh, that just reminds me you were so annoying when the show was on the air. You just- <laughs> She goes, you kept walking around going like, uh, what you talking about, Willis? What you talking about? If I said anything, what you talking about, mom? And I was like, do you just, uh, everywhere we went, I remember I went to her job and I called her boss a honky. <laughs> an old lady, right? Wasn't it? No, no, no. That's why I told the, the two Avens were, were the pointer sisters. No, 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 no. She had an old Jewish man as a boss, Mr. Sine. And I said, what's up, honky? And, uh, I, I got in big trouble for that. This week, a psychic reads the queens for their future and pairs them off for this season's makeover challenge. Simone and Utica win the challenge while Denali and Olivia battle it out in a lip sync for their lives. In the end, Olivia outshines Denali and lives to see another day while Denali is asked to sashay away. 
Joe Batanz, name two things you liked about this week's episode and one thing you did not. I'll make it very simple. One, Taylor. I don't really have a lot to say about this episode, which means we'll go three hours. But two, <laughs> it, yep. is, it was a very fun episode. Yes. I, I had a lot of fun watching it. Don't have a lot of notes. I've watched it three times, but um, um, it was a fun episode to watch. And so that's one thing I liked. Next thing... I'm going to be honest with you, even though I know the tricks and I know the traps and the goopery and the riggery. <laughs> what the fuck you call me? Uh, this rosé <laughs> is growing on me. Mm, I'd like her to grow on me. By the way, I didn't realize how little she is until she looked really little in, in Tina Burner's clothes. Well, Tina Burner is built like a linebacker. I mean, <laughs> I, I know, but I think rosé is like also very short. I didn't realize how little she is. Okay. Um, and then the thing I didn't like, you know, maybe they think it's quirky and cute, or maybe I don't know what the editors are trying to do, but Utica's weirdness is really trying to weird me out. I feel it was very in front today on this episode. Really? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on it. I think there's there's a lot of like just sort of weird. It's just like it's weird. You know, I'll, I'll bring this up later, but I think I think I can't remember if it was one of our listeners, State of Bree or Lauren S. One of those two. Maybe it's somebody else mentioned after we recorded the show that Utica, as we learned early on, is Seventh-day Adventist and may may or may not have been homeschooled. Okay. And I go, oh, that explains so much. I, now, I don't know if she is homeschooled, but the behavior seems a lot like behavior. I've Now, people who homeschool their kids, I'm not saying every homeschool kid is like this. I'm just saying I've known homeschool kids who have weirdness fitting in socially awkwardness awkwardness that, that are very socially awkward socially there's, awkward. there's levels of social awkwardness yeah. okay so like yeah that kind of gotten oh by the way too i'm, I'm at a second thing the riggery with this denali going home whether she should have gone home or not what'd you call me yeah <laughs> we have a lot to discuss with this denali going home uh, but what about what about you taylor what are the two things you like about the episode one thing you did not I would say that generally, I really liked the episode. Um, as I had mentioned before, when we were talking on Just Between Us Girls, I'd had a really stressful week mm -hmm. at work. And I was sort of not looking forward to this episode. I was, I'm not a big fan of the makeover shows, but I enjoyed the lightness of the episode and that everybody... Even though there seemed to be some concern between um, Simone and Utica in the beginning, like everybody got along. Mm -hmm. Nobody fought with one another, even though they sort of planted that seed early in the beginning of the season with uh, with Tina and Rosé. So thinking, oh, these two are going to come at each other. The fact that they did get along so well was refreshing and fun to watch. Um Generally, that's really the only thing that I liked about the episode, meaning just because I liked the whole episode and thought to myself, this is really light. Yeah. Until the one thing I did not like, because I actually enjoyed Candy through the episode until the question. Yeah. And then her showing her ass and yelling down the line at everybody and like would not stop. It was just like, you're like, ah. Oh, we almost had like the perfect light 
like French eclair of an episode that mm-hmm. was just where you just ate it and it just felt light and it was mm-hmm. airy and it was wonderful. And then we have where, I mean, ultimately Rue asking the question was not great, but when you have that where then she's screaming and yelling and doing the hand clapping and that was just not, I was like, Oh, you almost had me. You almost had me where I, you know, I, I would consider joining team candy and mm-hmm. then you just took it all away. Yeah, during uh, the elimination day in my notes, I wrote, wow, if Candy would have just acted like this from the beginning, mm-hmm. she people would have really liked her. You know, I agree. Yeah, she seemed very, you know, modest and, and uh, like, still fun, still had personality, but uh, yeah, was a little crazy. Yeah. After Elliot's elimination, Utica confuses the queens with her enthusiasm for lip syncing. Olivia gives Simone props for her BLM-inspired runway look. Finally, the queens congratulate Gottmik on her win, and Tina shows off her botched self-haircut. Joe, what are your thoughts on the first segment of the show? Okay. This Utica, right? (laughs) She's so fucking weird. Like, Like, this is my first example here. Like, she is prancing into this workroom so, so happy, and then, like, just, like... Um, uh, like talking about how exhilarating it was to do the lip sync. Do you realize you were this close to getting eliminated? Like, in my head, I think she sees the lip sync for your life as like a prize, or like it was very, very strange. You can even tell by the reaction of the other girls that they're for some reason someone's mowing a lawn right out by my head. You know, I don't even hear that. Um. <laughs> But my question, my, my my point is that, like, every other girl you can tell is just like, what the fuck is your, what is wrong with you? And again, well, uh, maybe I'll bring it up now. We can bring it up now, bring it up later. Then she even asked RuPaul what she thought of the lip sync. Like, she is so stoked. <laughs> which was, which was her, the response that Ru gave was, was pretty good. Yeah. But, okay, but think about this. What is the part of the show that everybody loves, that everybody waits for, is the lip sync. Yeah. We've had 13 seasons and all-stars and various other spinoffs and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff of where you wait to see what the girls can do when they are put under pressure in that way. I think that this might be – and this kind of speaks to the way the girls now – may see the lip sync or viewers of the show may see the lip sync versus the early seasons did in that you've got girls now that know that this will help them to be remembered forever because if they have the ability to really kind of turn it out and have an amazing lip sync that maybe in her mind she had so much fun and did such a great job that she'll end up on one of these like Miss Mojo top 20 lip syncs from RuPaul's Drag Race of all time or that you'll where you have these like where people will create um uh montages or or video things of like you know a bunch of different lip syncs that they like or movements and lip syncs that this is where this kind of helps to cement her a little bit more in the in the history of the show where she isn't somebody that's just kind of always in the background except for a couple of really cool looks does that make sense? No, it makes sense. But am I wrong that she's delusional if she thinks... Oh, no. Completely delusional. She she came very close to being in the bottom and may not realize that until the next time she has to lip sync for her life, if she ever does, and then ends up going home. Um. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I just thought she seemed very, very odd. What about you? What were your yeah. thoughts on this uh, act one thing? Um. I mean, it's, it's typical fair, I guess. I 
don't know if I am just getting old and yes. my hearing is going oh. or what, but I did not understand until I just read the description the whole Tina Burner thing. Of where I knew she fucked up her hair in some way, but it was almost like between the music and everybody talking and everything. And I watched it like three times. I didn't understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, really? while that was... Yeah. I, 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 and I guess I appreciate the fact that it was... They cut to right before it was supposed to go to the go to the intro of the show. Mm-hmm. I liked that they did that. It was slightly a little bit different. But I... It was, you know... What do you Whatever. think about this thing? What's your speculation in terms of Tina saying, "Oh, her day is coming." She because she hasn't won a challenge yet, and like, uh, just she's she's basically like crouching tiger, hidden dragon, just ready to pounce. I think that? that that is. I think that is goopery on the part of the producers. Mm-hmm. I think that that is where. How often have we seen that where they say, "This is my week," and then they're the one who goes home? Um, I mean, granted, Tina didn't. That didn't happen with Tina today. Uh, it could have, but uh, it was not what necessarily happened. But I, I, unless something happens next week, you know, I I can't imagine that Tina is long for this show. Interesting, very interesting. Or that she is going to be like a, um, as we're seeing on, uh, as as we've seen really for the most part on Drag Race UK, like an Ellie Diamond who's never actually won anything mm-hmm. but has made it really, really far. Who's yeah. kind of coasted under the radar. She may yeah. be, she may be a coaster. Okay, very good. The next day, the queens return to the workroom for this week's challenge. First, RuPaul sends the queens to the main stage for a psychic reading with Char Magolis. Tina's dad and Utica's cow have heartfelt messages, and Char exposes Denali and Rosé's mutual crush. Next, RuPaul pairs up the queens, per Char's suggestion, for this week's makeover challenge. Tina is paired with Rosé, Denali with Olivia, Utica with Simone, and Candy with Gottmik. Each pair must make over their partner to be their own doppelganger. Joe, what were your thoughts on the the mini challenge, on the pairings, on the on the maxi challenge? What were your initial thoughts with everything? Well, first of all, Denali comes in and uh, she goes, "Oh my god, there are only eight of us!" And I'm like, "Yes, we're on episode ten. <laughs> There's so much room here." What? Yeah, I'm like, "What are you talking about? We're ten episodes in, and there are still eight. I'm looking like, "Oh my god, there's still eight. Yes. There's still eight am, of them. I am the exact same way. And it, that is not lost, I think, on the audience. I, the more I see things on Twitter, more people are like, how fucking long is the season going to be? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I was just like, oh, my God. Uh, next. Now, you know, I have a show, Taylor, that uh, mm-hmm. is on Patreon only. Patreon.com slash Afterthought Media called The Rumor Mill. And so every week, we only do it per week. I know who's going home. So I knew Denali was going home this week. So I'm able to see these little weird things the editors put in. And she says in there at one point that she feels really confident about this week. And on the the page, I just drew these. I'll draw it again because I typed my notes back up. But I drew these eyes like this on my notes. (laughs) Looking off to the side? Yeah, like side eyes. Because I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah the, but that's what i'm talking about with tina that's the whole thing of where they, the the first one that they show going this is my week to win that's yeah. they're the ones that are walking out yeah is, is, is it the sort of damocles that's over the person's head uh-huh. yeah that's <laughs> yeah it's like um i was just like oh bitch you even know um 
And then also, uh, I was very curious about who the Char Margolis was and whatnot. And uh, I guess she has a show on Wild Presents. Oh, does she? Yeah. I'm- I had no idea who she was. I found it interesting that she referred to, she didn't refer to herself as a psychic. She said it was something like an intuitive mm-hmm. psychic. It was something where I guess she didn't want it to be where people, you know, get that connotation of, you know, the turban and the crystal ball. Yeah, kind yeah, of thing. yeah. But it well, was very much what intuitive tells me that she's really good at reading body language. That's kind of what that, that tells me. And that that's mm-hmm. where she sort of picks up on things. Um, so, uh, what are your thoughts on, like, fortune telling and, and all that? I, okay, I did hospice care for 15 years. Yeah. And I had enough people say similar, who didn't know each other, say similar things to me to not think, there's no way I can't think there isn't something else out there whether it's a different plane of existence, whether mm-hmm. it's there is an afterlife, whatever you want to call it, unless everybody just has the same biophysical reactions to dying and they hallucinate or whatever. But there's enough things that people say that I'm kind of like, okay, well, you know what? If if it makes everybody feel good. So is she actually a psychic? I don't know. But I feel like a lot of people that are like this are really good, as I said, at picking up very, very tiny clues Mm -hmm. of the people in front of them that kind of lead them in the direction of saying things that help to kind of pull the person in. And then a lot of times, you know, one of the things that I do with clients to get them to talk is I just don't talk. I just sit very quiet after they've said something and then it makes them uncomfortable. So they just provide me with more information. So there's ways to do that. There's ways to manipulate people to gather information on them. Um, I think that some of the stuff that was talked about, whether it was the cow or whether it was, you know, my, I lived by a lake or something. I think that would be easy enough to find on social media. I mean, they have their real names, so it's not like, that they that somebody couldn't have gone back and fed her information as far as you know Utica has a picture of her when she was a kid with a cow you know there could be there could be things like that um the whole crush thing that could have easily been picked up by producers and the and the set crew watching the two of them and kind of you know whispering in her ear you know these two these two were are macking on each other you know I, I, but maybe she maybe she is psychic I don't know We'll never actually know that, but everybody seemed to have a good time with it, so that was that was fun to watch. So, Taylor, I uh, have on my phone. There's a tarot card app. Okay, and all it does there's different things you can do with it, but one it'll just draw a random card and explain to you what it means. And would you like me to draw a card for you? Sure. Okay. So let's. Um... <laughs> So I've drawn the card. I will show it to you. Okay. It's a reversed. Okay. It's a reversed six of swords. Okay. Okay. And this is from the uh this is from the app. A ferryman punts a boat easily across a river. The boat holds two passengers, a woman and a child. They are cloaked. They seem shrouded to maintain anonymity. Are they trying to hide dejection or fear? The six of swords are standing. Oh, the six swords are standing upright in the bow of the boat, 
as they are accompanying the people on their journey. Now, because yours is reversed, this is what it means. Here are some buzzwords first. Okay. See if they ring true for you for today, for okay. right now. This is for today. Lack of movement. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> Unresolved anxieties. <laughs> That's every day of my life. Lack of support. Okay. Uh, okay. You are going to be stuck in this current situation for a while. Oh, great. You risk stagnation if things do not change. Unresolved <laughs> anxieties, fears, and worries still haunt you. You need to deal with them as they are the root of your problem. Be prepared for the lack of support from others who may be unwilling to become involved in your problems. Does any of that ring true with you, Taylor? Oh, that was my entire therapy session on Wednesday. Oh. Everything, everything except for the lack of support. I, I feel very supported by people um, who uh, are very aware of the things that I'm going on right now. Mm -hmm. For the most, uh, for the most part, I did have a conversation with a friend who took what I was going through and made it all about him, mm -hmm. and. I, that was a little frustrating by the end of the night, but otherwise, for the most part, yeah. Oh God, I, if I'm if I'm going to stay like this for a while, that's a that's a problem. Now look, <laughs> I learned this with mm -hmm. uh, learning about tarot card. It doesn't tell you the future; it just says if you don't make changes, this is what's going to happen. So, and, and I am making changes. So, so there you that, go. So that, then you're I'm, not you're that, not confined. It's not I, a prison. Not a prison. <laughs> a glass case of emotion. A glass case of emotion. All right. So, what are you, what were your thoughts about the the announcement of the challenge and the decision to pair up each of the queens? Well, what's funny is at first I noticed that they did not say that she paired them up. They used a very weird, careful language, but then later Rue does say that she paired them up. So I don't know what it is because she says, you know, based on Char's suggestion, we uh, made some pairings. But then later on, she goes, Char put you guys together. So I don't. I think the producers put it together. You know? Oh, I'm sure they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Char hit. What would Char know about who to put together? Because yeah. then also, based on Char's suggestions, wouldn't she put Rose and Rose and Denali together? Uh, or would they put Utica and Candy together? Because Candy's a cow. No, I think <laughs> I think similar to the Nina. Valentina thing of mm -hmm. where they put Valentina into lip sync. Mm -hmm. I think they thought by having Simone and Utica together, there was no way that their drag styles were going to work. And if they could lip sync, Simone is more of the lip sync assassin and she could have taken Utica out. I think that's why that pairing happened. Okay. You also have the idea of the, the seed that was planted early on that Rose and Tina didn't get along in New York. So I think that they were probably looking at that potentially for drama. But when you consider that this is kind of the season of nice part two, like last season, mm -hmm. I think that all of those plans kind of fell apart. The closest we got to that was was Simone and Utica being Simone in particular being very uncomfortable, but uh, with the whole idea of these two very different drag aesthetics. But I think that it, you know, she handled it gracefully and and it and obviously it worked out for the two of them mm -hmm. back in the workroom the queens get ready for this week's maxi challenge denali plans to turn olivia into an ice queen tina pulls a red and yellow garment for rose utica fears the risk of cultural appropriation 
Candy and Gottmik struggle to find pieces for each other and resign themselves to slaving over a sewing machine. Mm-hmm. Joe, what are your thoughts on this week's Maxi Challenge prep? Yeah. So one of the things that struck me, I even made it in my notes, and I don't know why it really struck me. This isn't even on the first watch I noticed this. When they were talking, when they were focusing on Simone and Utica, and they were playing that, like, you know, you know, music. Yeah, yeah. When they were playing that music, and then they were playing uh, Utica, they were over, and that music was underneath Utica uh, describing her uh, her music. I mean, her, what what she wanted to do. I was like, I was actually listening to what she said, and I'm all that actually sounds kind of cool. Like, yeah. But but they, but the way they edited it with like. You know, the, everyone's looking like, oh, what the fuck is this bitch talking about? And like the music. And I was like, and then actually we saw on the runway, it was that very thing she was talking about. And it was actually pretty cool. But if, if you actually listen to what she's saying, it actually sounds very interesting and very cool. So it shows you how editing tries to lead you down the primrose path. And when it actually, uh, it was completely fine. Um, Another thing I wrote too is I actually wrote this as a shady comment, but it actually <laughs> happened was when they, when Mick and Candy Muse were working together. I'm all ugh. Well, all Mick has to do is have Candy Muse show her nipples, and then <laughs> that's exactly what happened. So uh, I don't know that there. You know, one of the great things is for us for in terms of time, there really wasn't much to this episode. Yeah, I mean, I. I agree with you as far as the this is definitely a show and you have said this before so I'm going to quote Joe Patanz here in that the producers tell you how you are supposed to feel mm-hmm. and by using that music they definitely are trying to paint out Utica as the quirky queen not mm-hmm. that she needs necessarily to help with that but I think that that is doing her a disservice because as we've seen with some of these outfits she's more than just quirky mm-hmm. she's she's artistic she's very creative and she sees things and she sees the world in a different way um, and that should be celebrated and I guess to some degree it's celebrated because she's on the show but to play that music I think that was more to kind of speak to that was more to speak to Simone's uncomfortableness and that we were supposed to feel Simone's uncomfortableness to this versus what is the uh, the outfit that Utica brought for the makeover challenge. <laughs> every time you every time you talk is the music I'm playing now. Is it? Is it yeah. that's just going to be what happens every time? Where so I'm I'm trying to sound like I know what I'm talking about, but it's clear to everybody else in the workroom they're all giving me side eye. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, that that's that that music plays in my head all the time while I'm talking to clients. Yeah, <laughs> where they just look at me and go, "This motherfucker has no clue what he's talking about." Uh, yeah, it, it, they do that what, all what, the time. What are your thoughts about the? And maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more when Rue comes in and talks with her about it. But yeah. Utica's concerns about the outfit that Simone brought for for the makeover challenge. It's weird. It's actually to the point, if I'm being honest, now I haven't really formed these thoughts completely in my head, so please forgive me because they're completely, I'm just winging it right now. But it's to the point where um, me thinks she doth protest too much, and I'm like, it's to the point where like, okay, bitch, calm down. It is almost a different 
kind of racism. I wouldn't I wouldn't call I wouldn't call Utica racist. But what I would say is you can get to a point where you're being so careful that it almost comes off as racist. What I mean is it's offensive. It's offensive because you're like Oh, you crazy black people, you're going to get so crazy if I wear a fro or if I do this and I don't want to right. hear it. So now I'm going to treat you like like a like a child, like a, like a like a child that doesn't behave. Yeah. Um, and so, I'm you not don't saying- know what this will do to me. You don't know, you know, your privilege of saying you want me to wear this outfit from this movie, yeah. what that will how that will affect me, a white person. Yeah. Yeah, there there is something that that's that's a I didn't think of it quite in that way, but that that is true. Yeah, I could understand checking in. You know, uh-huh. I could understand checking in. You want to check in, you know, but I think that that's I mean, it's a black person having you wear her own clothes. The challenge was right. to make you into her. She wasn't putting you in blackface. She right. was just saying she's trying to give you her persona. Be like, I don't want to do appropriate appropriation is when you take it right. And not if give Rose credit. and her were teamed up and said, we should totally wear the outfits from BAPS, yes. that would be a problem. Yes, yes, yes. But when someone's gifting it to you, you know, they're welcoming you and that's not appropriation. And right. when RuPaul and Simone are saying, please do this, you're fine. Stop overthinking it. And like I said, the overthinking is almost as offensive. Yeah. I understand the intent is good. I get it. But at a certain point, you just stop. Yeah. No, I I think that that is very that is very much and there's something about it that makes me sad because, you know, as we've seen on the show at various points, the idea of drag Rue has talked about the idea of drag is kind of a middle finger to the culture. You know, it's kind of a it's it's supposed to kind of give you something to talk about. It's art. Mm-hmm. And, and art is subjective, as we t- see it on another show that talks yeah. about that. And if it's being done in a way that is loving, mm-hmm. that it is not mocking mm-hmm. another culture, mm-hmm. and it is being done with the blessing mm-hmm. of someone from that culture, you know, mm-hmm. on national television, yeah. I think that that is where it is. It is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, my concern is that you're going to see more of this as future seasons of people not wa- not wanting to deal with the backlash on social media the second something airs. So it's going to be where we're, and we're kind of seeing that we've seen that over the last couple of seasons, but this is, a, this is a prime example of that, of kind of the watering down of drag mm-hmm. to where there is, you're only supposed to be, you know, either super artsy, super glamor, super funny, mm-hmm. and you have to stay within these certain little boxes mm-hmm. as compared to, other, you know, other drag competition shows that we've seen, you know, Dragula being one in particular, that where, you know, everything is on the table. every And, and the crazier, the better. And, you know, I, I don't want this to be where future contestants for seasons 13, 14, 15, 16 c- consider their drag to be – consider drag to be very precious and to be very much of where it has to be. It has to stay because I don't – I don't want people to, to come for me wearing this when I'm trying to make a statement, you know, mm-hmm. with, with, with one of my outfits. And I want to say for the record, I, I would much rather have Utica air on the side of caution. There's a certain point where you're like, okay, bitch, we get it. 
be, but um, and rather than be Elliot with two T's who goes on all these talk shows and talks about black girl magic, magic and is not aggressive and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, okay, mm-hmm. now, you know, I, and I think I understand where Utica's coming from in that I'm sure she doesn't want to offend anybody, but um, uh, I mean, that, the one thing I will say is the drag race fandom is vicious. So I, it, right. it, it's funny. I don't think that she, her cause for concern, I think is warranted. But once you've checked in, I think you're fine. And I think it's good right. that they put I, it in. Well, and I, I understand that to a degree. Mm-hmm. But I also think that you have people, you know, she checked in with Simone. Yeah. She checked in with RuPaul. Mm-hmm. She, they had confessionals about it. You're still going to have people that no matter what she did are going to say that what she wore is offensive. Yeah. Because there is that level of no matter what, mm-hmm. I watch the show to be offended so that I can rant about it online. Yeah. There is a pop part of the population who watches the show that mm-hmm. no matter what, that's going to happen. But at some point when we stop doing things, when we stop allowing ourselves these creative outlets mm-hmm. and stop allowing ourselves to push the envelope, mm-hmm. I'm not saying rip the envelope apart, but push the envelope and things get safer and safer. Those people, that small percentage, they win. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I think you're right. I think we are in a place right now where you know, there was a time before um, Drag Race where, you're right, drag was a fuck you, and no one actually did drag to make a real living. Right. Even the icons that I'm sure we love, Coco Peru and Jackie Beat and and Lady Bunny, probably had full-time day jobs, you know, um, at one point. Yeah. You, you, didn't, you were there making 50 bucks, you know, a show, or something, mm-hmm. if that. And some drink tickets. And some drink tickets. But um, now being a drag queen is seen as a viable career and people are thinking about that. rather. So rather than it being an artistic expression or social commentary, and I think that's the thing too, is we've seen drag evolve from social commentary, which is, I think is what it was at one point, um, to now. It's funny because... As much as the show itself and the perception of drag has evolved, where, like, if you look at seasons one, two, and three, the focus in the competition was on um, female illusion. Mm-hmm. And it's now evolved from that. But definitely seasons one through three really focused on female illusion and how good your female illusion was to... uh to now a more rounded view of drag, it does seem now that the show, as open as it is to different kinds of drag, there seems to be a hyper-focus with the up-and-coming drag queens on being look queens. Maybe not female illusion queens, but couture queens, look queens, Instagram queens. And we see that they don't actually do well on the show all the time. Um, They can do well. but uh, And so, like... What is the viability of that? You were just saying you went to a drive-in drag mm-hmm. and that uh, Aquaria, who is a look queen, was boring. Yep. Violet Chachki, who is probably the one that ushered in this new era of, you know, Instagram queen and look queen, uh, was boring. 
They're mm-hmm. not really performers. How was uh, Plastique Tiara? She was okay. She did a bunch of like Ariana Grande songs. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, she was so pretty mm-hmm. that you you were kind of focused on that. Um, I don't remember necessarily being a great dancer, but I also had somebody in the car that absolutely loved her. Yeah. My nephew went nuts for her. So, I mean, that was, I was kind of enjoying watching her because he was having such a good time. Yeah. But then you, you said one of the best performers was Asia O'Hara. You know, mm-hmm. um, who is more of the old school kind of drag and knows yeah. how to put on a show. So, um, wh- so the social commentary part where it was a big sort of fuck you and we're gonna, we're gonna push the envelope. That seems to be on the not as important side. In fact, who was the last queen that's been on the show that sort of has that? Maybe Peppermint? I wouldn't even say Sasha? Peppermint. Peppermint is Sasha? Uh, yeah, I would. Well, say they were the same season. So yeah, I mean, but Sasha Velour was very. Peppermint, though, is it by her existence? Uh, Sasha, though, is really actually telling art to you know to push people's buttons. Yeah, has there really been anyone since? I don't know. I have a feeling we'll hear about it in the chat room if somebody yeah. thinks of it before that. Which is funny because I feel if you're that kind of queen, or if you want to be that kind of queen, this is your moment. You know, mm-hmm. uh, to be that queen. And I think you could do really well. I think, you know, everything's cyclical. And if you want, if you want to make your mark, it's not going to be by being yet another look queen. It's not going to be by being another comedy queen. I think it's going to be a, I wouldn't think to say Sasha Velour. I think it's his own thing. But if you could somehow mix comedy queen with envelope pushing, maybe a Bianca Del Rio who's funny, then, um, then you could have something. I mean, looking at looking at all stars. I mean, Shea Coulee definitely, I think, pushed the envelope with some of her outfits and some of mm-hmm. her just kind of putting her blackness out there and doing it in a way that there was definitely commentary on some of her looks, um, particularly the nude bodysuit uh, with all of the. I mean, that was definitely something where you saw this, you know, p- true, you know, black woman, black beauty, excellence sort of thing yeah. with the very short afro and stuff. That was something that definitely kind of pushed an envelope in a way that that was I don't know anybody that didn't like that outfit. Well, if you think about it, Simone has been kind of doing that too with really putting her blackness front and center mm-hmm. as part of her look. So Simone might be able to do it, but she's doing it through looks, which is there's something that's totally right. I'm talking more about in statements. I don't know. I, I, I'm still thinking this out in my head. Okay. But basically, I'm announcing I'm becoming a drag queen. <laughs> and your name will be? Sciatica Epstein Barr. <laughs> okay. So, um, Bell Palsy. Right. <laughs> Bella Palsy. Bella Palsy. All right. Next, RuPaul enters the workroom for table visits. Yeah. Candy reveals that she believes she has psychic powers, while Gottmik speaks of her experience as an adopted child. Denali performs her best Olivia Lux impression. Tina expresses her hatred for the color pink. And Rue points out Rosé's flourishes. Mm-hmm. Finally, RuPaul eases Utica's fears about cultural appropriation. Yeah. Any it, any thoughts? Yeah. The only thing I really have, it comes up a couple of times. Uh, Rue does it with Rosé and she does it with somebody else. I can't remember. But I forget. RuPaul is very, very... That's it, It's a skill she has that I, I I wish she actually put on display more. She is so good at picking up on people's uh, little tricks and uh, go-tos 
mm-hmm. like uh for instance um uh Rose's hand move. She mentioned yeah. it with somebody else. Was it was it uh Gottmik or was it Candy? I don't remember who, but she I think noticed- it was Candy. She mentioned something about Candy, I think. Yeah, like something else that they did. She picks up on this um on these things very easily cuz uh, if you remember she did it with on during All Stars she pointed out with um Blair St. Clair about Blair did that move where she like shuddered and went <laughs> that, that was a secret. Shimmy shush or whatever. Yeah, and then she goes shh. <laughs> like RuPaul is really good at picking up on those things and we got to see that on display there and it was really cool to see. She picks up yeah. on those things. What about you? Uh, I mean, this was standard fare. I thought the fact that everybody got along and kind of, kind of dovetailing to the conversation we had before the fact that Utica, I mean, it, again, it speaks to kind of the level of not delusion, but just that Utica is on a kind of different plane of existence. One, mm-hmm. um, the, the whole, like, you know, so did you like what you saw as far as, the, as far as the lip sync? Oh, I don't yeah. think we've ever seen a queen ask Rue that question before. Yeah. The closest we came to it was this season on, UK where Ellie Diamond says to Rue, why don't I have a nickname like Lawrence Cheney does? Yeah. Which is which was very like a uh, it was kind of a cringy moment yeah. that they kept in on both seasons. But I think also the fact that I Simone was the one who said, We have some concerns that we mm-hmm. wanted to hear your blessing on. I thought was a smart thing for Simone to do. Yeah. Because it allowed it was it was kind of gently nudging Utica to the look. I told you this is going to be okay. If Mama Rue says it's going to be okay, you know we're not going to leave you out into we're not going to we're not going to leave you out to the wolves. And I think that's a good point. And that's a conversation that may have happened off camera between them because from my experience, from seeing mm-hmm. table visits with Utica, Utica is not on a wavelength where she picks up on those things. Mm-hmm. So if we've seen before, RuPaul literally is in a very subtle way telling her do this, and you'd go be like, I'm still going to do the other thing, and like she bitch, right. she just basically told you don't do that. She doesn't. Yeah. Pick, so I think you're right. I think Simone said. Utica, RuPaul literally said this. That must have happened because in every other version of this, Utica doesn't hear RuPaul, right? Because I think right. she doesn't pick up on those cues. <laughs> so um yeah so you're right it's a very good point by the way oh and i don't think we're on that uh choreography thing sorry go ahead okay well it, we've been talking for a while so why don't we take a break all right we'll be back right after this It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Oh my god! It's- <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't ever get to do that, so yeah. I wanted to do it. <laughs> wow. All right. On the main stage, the queens go two by two, practicing their partner's runway walks. Denali shows Olivia how to skate down the runway in heels. Tina and Rose teach each other. Tina and Rose teach each other their unique walks. Utica picks up Simone's mannerisms. Candy moans her way through Gottmik's impersonations. Finally, Gottmik taps her inner banshee. So, what were your thoughts on this segment of the show? You know, I've watched it several times, trying to take notes, and the only note I had was it was really cute when Rose lifted her shirt with us here, but for a second. <laughs> She Why do cute, I not remember that? She has a cute butt. She has a cute lots of things. I've, yeah. I've seen pictures and the, the, they're very nice. Oh, wait, I forgot but, uh, about that. Please send. But also, is, so, is it important to Core Lounge? It's important to Core Lounge, yes. By There's the way, yeah, if, if, yeah, for those of you out there at patreon.com slash afterthought media, you get access to our Discord where there's a whole channel called Porn Decor Lounge that seems to be curated mostly by Nami Harder. But, mm-hmm. um, where, Thank you for your service, Nami. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, but uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's such a big nothing moment. She's just moving her shirt to like just work, and I'm Ooh, okay. What is that, Rose? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. This was a fun segment because mm-hmm. every because usually the dance things somebody is fighting with somebody because they're arguing, and this was just everybody learning from each other, mm-hmm. and it, it just it was a generally everybody was having a good time. Good. Funny that you say that because the one thing I will say is everybody, with the exception of one team, seemed very natural. Mm-hmm. You know, like they were just like we're doing our thing, and it and it seemed real. I will say, and if you rewatch it, look out for this. Tina and Rose, who of course are big theater queens from New York, are very aware the camera is there and you're aware that they're aware and they're totally mm-hmm. hamming it up for the camera. They're totally mm-hmm. playing to camera. Where I didn't get that sense for the other three teams. But with their team, they were both of them were trying to do something. I don't know what it was. It was really strange. Uh it was a whole performance that they did. Well, but it was it was fun to watch whereas I feel a little bit like got Mick laughing at the whole I'm uncomfortable. That to me felt forced. Oh, really? I thought it was so natural. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was there, there. There's times that I feel like, you know, we. I feel like we talked about this earlier in the season. That Gottmik's trying a little too hard when mm-hmm. she's when she's not in drag, and this felt like that. It felt like a little kid trying to pretend to laugh at yeah. themselves. Oh, I didn't get that sense at all. Interesting, huh? Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. 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 But other than that, there was not really much to this segment for me. I mean, that's what I'm mm-hmm. saying. That's what made it sometimes. Like, for instance, to do a, a filmmaking sort of principle, sometimes you have sets where everybody gets along, and it's a horrible movie. Mm-hmm. And then you have sets where everybody hated each other, and it's, it's art. Yes. You know? Uh, perfect example is that we were earlier, I think, on Just Between Us Girls, we were talking about the movie Chinatown. They all hated each other on Chinatown. Faye Dunaway is such a crazy person, right? <laughs> but they made art, you know? And it's the same thing here. Sometimes a fun show to watch isn't necessarily a fun show to recap. That's a podcast you should do. What? A podcast about Faye Dunaway. Oh, God. All of the crazy Faye Dunaway stories. In college, I interviewed her. And we were told not to bring up Mommy Dearest. She was perfectly (laughs) lovely. She was perfectly lovely in the interview. Now, before the pandemic, she was writing a book, finally, about her time in Mommy Dearest. Uh Uh-huh. But, you know, she is an absolute cuckoo bird crazy person. Uh, Yeah, she is... 
fascinating. Have you ever heard that um voicemail? The voicemail? She left? Yeah. Oh yes. God, so I feel like you've played that voicemail for me like on an episode of something. Oh really? Yeah. It's ago. it's it's about what was that we should do with Johnny Depp and Marlon Brando? Uh Don Juan the DeMarco. Of Dr. Moreau. I know Don Juan DeMarco. No, Don Juan DeMarco. That's right. Don that Juan DeMarco. And she's mad about that. And I don't know. She's just a crazy – she's a crazy <laughs> person. She's an absolute no. – I mean, look, talk about somebody. I was trying to explain her to Aiden because Aiden watched Chinatown. I'm like, she had – you probably have an unmatched – I don't – I can't think of another – maybe Meryl Streep. But like uh, an unmatched beat in like iconic films in the seventies. She's like she goes from like Bonnie and Clyde to Chinatown to Network. I mean, she has yeah. iconic film to iconic film, and she is such a nightmare to work with. That despite that, people won't work with. Her. That's why she got mommy. She couldn't get work. That's why she did mommy's dear mommy dearest. That was supposed to be mm-hmm. her big comeback because to prove that she was still she still had it. And then, boy, did she have it. <laughs> I I feel like I've said this before on the show, but I'll say I'll say it really fast. Uh, years ago, I saw a screening of Mommy Dearest that was hosted by Hedda Lettuce, mm-hmm. and she said, "For anyone who's never seen Mommy Dearest, Mommy Dearest is a movie where Faye Dunaway is the last one in on the joke." Yeah. So, well, you know, it's so funny. Um, the podcast—I don't think it exists anymore—but they still have their shows up called uh, "You Must Remember This." They did a, a whole mini season on uh, Joan Crawford and um, Betty Davis, mm-hmm. and at the end, they did—they covered uh, "Mommy Dearest," and they told they talked about the movie and whatnot, and they talked about you know, Faye Dunaway famously did not get along with the director, and there is a theory—I don't know if I necessarily hold true to this. That the director intentionally edited the film to make Faye Dunaway look crazy. But most of all, by holding the closing shot at the end of each scene one or two seconds too long. And if you look at the film, now I don't know if this was a choice or not. It's true. <laughs> the, the shots are held for like one or two seconds too long that make her look extra crazy. Because she's holding it for them to say cut. You uh-huh. know, And then they usually cut away and it doesn't, it doesn't look crazy. But that they held it in the edit... Just a second or two longer, so she's just like a crazy person just standing there. Mommy Dearest, I could do a whole series on Mommy Dearest. That is I... an incredible film. Yes, yes. Thank you. All right. It's Elimination Day, and the pairs beat each other's faces for the doppelganger runway. Rosé learns to be more direct. Tina pledges to be more demure. Denali and Olivia discuss their maternal influences. Next, Candy gives Gottmik her signature brow, and Gottmik reveals their former struggles with their femininity. Candy speaks about her struggles to love herself. Meanwhile, the group teases Rosé about her signature Tina Burner makeup. I have no thoughts. Um, the Elimination Day, I have no thoughts. I mean, yeah, I thought it was very I, pleasant. There was nothing wrong with it, but there was no real... I mean, I, we talked about it in the beginning. Candy Muse, I think, was the biggest revelation where she's actually, we're seeing, I think, for the first time, the real Candy Muse. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I like this person. Yeah. This yeah, seems like it's, a real it was, person. It was where she was pleasant. And the fact that when she was talking to Gottmik while they were, you know, and talking about loving themselves and talking about, you know, recognizing, you know, embracing who they are, it was, mm-hmm. it was a nice, it was, Everything about this up until the very end is yeah. very light and it's mm-hmm. very refreshing. And usually the mirror moments are really kind of bring you down. Mm-hmm. And this felt all much of a like a celebration, a celebration of being learning from each other yeah. and being more um, 
being be, being more authentic. Yeah, which was nice. It was yeah. it was a nice it was a nice thing. Yeah, it, like I said, we talked. I said it a million times today. A very pleasant episode. I think for you up until you got to a certain point, but a very pleasant episode. Yeah. All right. So next up, you know what we got, Joe? What? We've got the looks. Oh, God. Well, you know, since I'm in the second chair today, I have so much to say about the looks. <laughs> and those are the looks. All right. What's next? <laughs> so go ahead. You're in second chair. Talk about talk about the, the category is drag doppelgangers. Well, as you know, Taylor, uh, I love these looks. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to go through them because, you know, thank God for uh, Drew Brooks. Uh, afterthought media superstar listener Drew Brooks. And the first person I'm going to talk about is RuPaul. Why she can't... Get, does she know she's black? <laughs> I thought the same thing. That whole, like, thing, that, that panel of skin, yeah. that panel of fabric that was supposed to match the color of her skin, not... Yeah, that, that was... That was unfortunate. But why, why even have the panel there? That was... I think because of the illusion of the breasts, maybe. Oh. That there, uh, she would have to, it would show some sort of padding underneath. Oh. But I almost think that do it a different color then, or do, or, or just go without the padding and just do, do contouring. But yeah, I thought she looked really pretty though. In the picture that Drew Books found for us, she looks very much like Vanessa Williams. She does, but don't you think, hold on, I don't know anything about fashion, right? Mm hmm. But they, these, these outfits are very expensive. The designers, Zaldi's always a designer. Don't you think in this case what you could do? I don't know anything about fashion, Taylor. <laughs> don't you think you could get a picture of either RuPaul's chest or a, a, a real person's chest and screen print it on there? Uh, I guess you could. I mean, you could probably do something with that. But I, depending on how the light hits it, I think that that would look that would look even worse. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. But, anyway, but first like... up down the runway is Rosé. Yeah, uh, ah, <laughs> Ricky. Um, look, I realized how little she was when I saw the pictures. Mm -hmm. You also realize what horrible look Tina Burner has. This is a... also, by the way, I will say. I mean, I don't know why Tina wasn't up for elimination because they kind of have a point in that got mix color scheme, at least. That when she dresses Candy was more Tina Burner than the one that mm -hmm. she put Rose in. This is not. I have in fact the whole season. I don't think I've seen Rose, uh, Tina Burner in any kind of color scheme like this. Green and white, right? Yeah, it was a weird. I guess maybe it was supposed to be because of the reveal at the bottom um, where she's in the she's in the cheetah print mm -hmm. outfit. Maybe that was supposed to be it, but I don't get it. Yeah, and then her walk was super weird. No. Yeah, not great. Not right. great. Next up is Tina Burner. Someone on Reddit said that she was giving Nina West realness, and I kind of think that's very funny. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of very, very Nina West, actually. Um, I have nothing else to have with my thoughts. <laughs> Next up, Olivia Lux. Okay, I do have things on Olivia Lux. I actually think, now don't get me wrong, and I'm sure we'll talk about this at the end. I actually think it looked kind of sloppy. And I don't know. I don't think they brought this up. I don't think they did at all. At least that we saw. This ice skating move that Denali had her do <laughs> yeah, was, was so cringy and awful. 
that the Nolan mm-hmm. should have gone home for having Olivia do that walk. Mm-hmm. I mean, that yeah. was awful. I mean, yes, I did get the Nolan from it, you know, but that walk was terrible. And uh, yeah, that's my thoughts on Olivia Lux. Why not put her in? I mean, don't they have like ice skates where the boot, but the blade comes yeah. out? Why not put her in something like that? Yeah. That gives the at least the illusion of ice skates. Or does it, uh, it, maybe they ask? But does Olivia know how to rollerblade? I don't know. But I don't know. What kind of, I, don't I don't know, know what size shoe she wears. Who knows? Yeah. All uh, right. Next, next up, Denali. You know, I completely. Uh, she's supposed to be Olivia Lux. I completely agree. She looked. Who's the one that said she looks like the drag queen who showed up to do drag bingo? Oh, I didn't hear anybody say that. Oh, maybe Did that was on Reddit. Anyway. um... I saw somewhere someone said she looks like every drag queen that takes drag very seriously and shows up exactly on time every week when she's supposed to do the, her local drag bingo, and that's what she looks like. And I'm like, she does. She looks like your standard issue cookie cutter uh, central mm. casting drag queen. Yes. Yeah. I. It, she was the only one that you couldn't necessarily see her in in with with everybody else. You could tell who it was. And she was the one that she looked so different, but she didn't look like anybody that represented anything from the rest of the season. You know, when I think of Olivia Lux, I always think light and airy and whether she, I mean, they talked about the fact that she could have given, they could have given her the big curls, but I always know, like, I think of like the yellow outfit that she wore. She's always wearing lots of like pinks and, and things like that. And then this weird, like dark orange with the black and the big heavy, she's known for the tiny purse. Yeah. And she hands her this huge fur I don't know what you would call it. It's it's very it's it's an it was an odd choice for her. Yeah. Um here's my question though cuz you know they said it as a judgment on Olivia putting her look on Denali. Maybe you just answered this question. But how much of this just Olivia looks has a really boring look. <laughs> you know, and then that the mm-hmm. what makes it sing is actually Olivia's charisma and Olivia the way Olivia's particular look is. That's a very, that's a really good point. I don't know. You know, which it, it just it looks so heavy. Mm-hmm. It just looks like I mean she she's the outfit is wearing her. She's not wearing the outfit. That's what Aiden says when he sees my nudes. <laughs> uh, ne- yeah, go ahead. Next up is Simone. Okay, I said this during the show when Utica was describing it. I thought it sounded amazing, and I think Simone being so good at doing the runway anyway made this piece and its concept sing. Uh-huh. I thought it looked incredible walking down the runway. It really did look like a body trying to escape from the skin. So I think, yes. the, I think. look, if anything, Utica has a career as designing clothes for drag queens after this is done. But um, Absolutely. It's so funny because on Reddit they were talking about um, how, I don't know, on one conversation in the thread they were talking about how no one designs clothes for big girls, you uh-huh. know? And then later on, they were talking about how Ivy Winters has retired from drag, and now she sews um, hot air balloons. <laughs> and I was like, why can't you combine those two? Anyway, because um, <laughs> I'm red, I don't know why. They were, they were too independent. They were not related to each other. Uh, uh, okay, Simone. Anyway, I thought it was I thought it was incredible. I'll be honest yes, with you. I, yes, it was great. It she, was, and she yeah. sold the garment, too. She, she did. definitely she, she she did. Em- embodied... 
she embodied Utica's quirky style, but did it in a way that was still very Simone. Yes, but also I think what Utica does, not to her credit, I think she she dis she uh, does herself a discredit, is Utica is so I can't ironically uncomfortable in her own skin that she turns mm-hmm. all of her runway looks into jokes. Mm-hmm. You know, and and she, on the scale, it goes more kooky than it does couture. Mm-hmm. And I think Simone still captured Utica, but still had the kookiness, but still made this more couture. Um, yeah. And I think Utica, even though it's the same look and Utica designed it in her concept, I think it would have come off as kooky, where here it came off as fashion. Right. So that's a, that, 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 that's a great point. All right. And speaking of Utica, Utica is next. Uh, I think, she, you know, I think she really sold this look. It has very Afrocentric designs and colors, which you think wouldn't, uh, look good on a, a girl uh, so white as Utica. But, um, Simone managed to make it sing in a way that still spoke to the black excellence in fashion, but yet was not, I mean, it's good to pair someone with Utica, like, Simone because Simone is so smart that she was able to make this work without it seeming offensive. Yes. Yes. It yeah. was it was well well done. Um somebody on Untucked mentioned mm-hmm. that she looks like Sharon Needles. Yeah. And now that's all I see. <laughs> that's all I see when I see her, but yeah. I thought that and and she kind of the good thing about this was speaking sort of bringing it back to when they were teaching each other the walks this shows that Utica hopefully Utica sees this for the rest of her season that she doesn't have to be so quirky and over the top Mm -hmm. because they talked about the fact that she was very much in um you know kind of trying to represent Simone in a way that felt very Simone Mm -hmm. and she her walk and everything it never got where she made a weird face or she Mm -hmm. kind of like you know stuck an arm out or something it was it was very much a great great look all right very good all right Next up is Gottmik. Yeah. Dressed as Candy Muse. She looks a lot, remind me of like a, a, an early 90s Cindy Lauper. Uh, yeah. I could see Cindy, you know more than I do, but I could see Cindy Lauper wearing this outfit. Uh, um, uh, Cindy Lauper, I think, wouldn't have been quite so revealing with the legs, but yeah. I could see something similar to that in an in a 80s. In an 80s look, it is uh, Terry Mugler inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I know that they mentioned that uh, on they mentioned that when they were on the runway, and I, I, it's okay. I don't think it's an unfair. I mean, I really kind of thought the same thing that it's yeah. very Tina Burner. Exactly, exactly. I, I don't think it's an unfair assessment to say it. It looks more like Tina Burner than what Tina Burner put in Rose. Right. Yeah. So, and our last look is Candy Muse. Which, I mean, I will say uh, she captured the essence of Gottmik in her look on Candy Muse. I mean, you look at this and did, you knew it was Gottmik. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't deny that. And I think I think Candy Muse did a good job selling it on the runway. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that was great. All right. Well, and those are the looks. I'm so mad that you tricked me into doing the looks. <laughs> <laughs> so after the pairs were critiqued, RuPaul asks each queen who they think should go home this week. Mm-hmm. The answers were Rosé said Olivia, Tina said Olivia, Olivia said Utica, Denali said Candy, Simone said Olivia, Utica said Olivia, Gottmik said Olivia, 
and candy, said Olivia. So, so obviously Olivia's going home. Yes, clearly. Clearly that's what's happening. Yeah. After the judges deliberate, the queens are called back to the main stage. Simone and Utica win the challenge while Denali and Olivia are placed in the bottom two and are forced to face off an ellipsic battle for their lives. The song, Shackles, Praise You, mm-hmm. by Mary Mary. Mm-hmm. In the end, Olivia Lux lives to see another day while Denali is asked to sashay away. Joe Batanz, do you have any final thoughts on the episode with the deliberations? Yeah. Talking about the lip sync. Yeah. The, 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 the dreaded question of who yeah. should go home tonight. What are your thoughts? Well, first I want to talk about the lip sync. I think one of the faults of this show is by the time we get to this point, both of us are so done. Yes. You know, I'm tired. And then, you, you know, Babalu's banging on the door because you have to go to Pet Smart or something like that. And, um, <laughs> and at 10 o'clock at night, we're going to have to go to Pet Smart. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, no, I'm talking about right now. Like, it's, oh, about recording the Taylor, show. Yeah. Oh, Taylor okay. always schedules the show right before he has to do all his errands for the day. <laughs> and, um, all my other errands. This yeah. Is so, an errand so we, have to do. <laughs> we, uh, we, we often gloss over the lip sync. So I, you know, uh, you know, so the, my typical prep style is I take all my notes, I type them up, I, uh, I look at Luke's script and then completely scrap it and write a whole new script. <laughs> and then, <Yep. laughs> and then, um, and then, you know, do, I, I get ready at Friday night or Saturday morning. And then after I'm done, as I go to bed, I'll go on Reddit and read what they think. And I'll also read it in the morning. Okay? Okay. And um, one of the things they were all talking about was like, oh, this lip sync. Because people are really mad that Denali went home. Okay? Uh-huh. And uh, that, you know, Denali, should, there should have been a double Shantae or that... Uh, uh, Denali should have stayed and Olivia should have gone home. We can talk about that in a second. I watched this lip sync. It was fine. Right? It was fine. It was, it was whelming. Yeah, it was whelming. Thank you. But no double Shantae. They cut it in such a way that you could make an argument for either one to go home or for either one to stay. I don't see it right. so obvious. But then that does support the opinion that and we'll get to that in a second i want to get what you think that denali wasn't criticized for the look she gave olivia you know that we saw that they think she did a fine job but that olivia was heavily criticized for that horrible look she gave denali so olivia should have gone home and i do agree with that assessment you know that does make sense it seems like Olivia did the bad job. Denali should go home. And also the argument, I don't know why they did this thing. I mean, obviously for drama's sake, where the two team members had to go head to head. Cause their arg- another argument was that it really should have been, uh, Olivia versus Tina or Olivia versus Candy. Um, by the way, some people were on Reddit. Oh, thank God they finally did shackles. They did it on season one. I was going to say, yeah. wasn't that a season? What they've done this? They've done yeah. this before. And Rebecca Glasscock versus Chanel. It's like second yeah. last episode, like episode six, seven or something like that. Episode five. I don't know. Well, second last episode. Yeah. So, uh, but the point is, uh, the point I'm making is that, like, and I want to get your thoughts on that. Like, the lip sync was fine. Um, I didn't see anything special, and. Uh, I, I do disagree that uh, Denali going home just purely based on she didn't do as bad a job as Olivia, but I want to get your thoughts. 
we were surprised when she when she said uh olivia shantae you stay we both did a little <gasps> we we weren't expecting that mm-hmm. i think that it came down to they were the losing team and then it was just that olivia did the better of the two but you also figure that's kind of a high energy song and she's got denali or olivia is in a ice skating outfit whereas yeah. denali is in that heavy yeah. outfit it's kind of similar to the kamora hall earlier this season where she couldn't move in that dragon outfit. Yeah. So I think that might've been what kind of brought her down. Plus the, the energy in untucked, it felt Denali felt very resigned to the fact that she was probably going home. So I think that there wasn't necessarily the full energy that she could have given as far as everybody going, they can't believe Denali stayed. I think that's just the cute boy that that that's just a we're not the cute boys can't leave mm-hmm. you know we can get rid of everybody else particularly we can get rid of people of color but you know if you're if you're a cute you know b- boy of a certain shade of of uh brown then then you can stay but but uh, that that i whatever you know denali was fun at some point i didn't think denali was going to make it to top four mm-hmm. um and I, I, I'm okay with that. You know, I would have been okay if either one went home. Look, honestly, here's at that deal. point. We are now post snatch game, and as you know, when it's post snatch game, the eliminations now get more serious. Yeah, you know, my only regret for Denali was I think she's a better drag queen than she was recognized on the show. Mm-hmm. Now look. They're bringing back everybody for this all stars. They're no more. They're no more. They're all stars, you know. Yeah. So I'm sure Denali will have a life again on All Stars, and we'll get to see more of her. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think um, I, I don't. I don't think she. We got to see the the full scope of her talent, and I think that's going to be true for a lot of the people that go home the rest of the way after Snatch Game, you know, because only really a few queens have really. Uh, been recognized. It's like got yeah. Nick Simone, and um, who else? Like those two have gotten a lot of love. You know, I think Utica's gotten a lot of love. Okay, just in a different. I mean, with with her looks, I think Utica's Utica's gotten a lot of love. Okay. Well, I think but you're wrong. Yeah. Really <laughs> uh. Yeah. So. Um. So, uh, in terms of the people naming people, like, they seem to all name, for the most part, Olivia. I wonder if the Olivia and Utica stuff has to do with, you know, the drama from last week, which I'm sure it does, um, where Olivia heard, overheard Utica saying one thing when she told everybody else privately, and, um, and then you could... Where they all kind of see that, but nobody, but nobody was dumb enough to say it out loud? Yeah. Sort of thing? No, no, remember, uh, Olivia was like, Utica was saying that Olivia did bad in Snatch Game? But she had yeah, told no, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay, but, yeah. no, but everybody talks about how much they like Olivia and they don't want to hurt Olivia's feelings. Yes. Until they're forced to say a name yeah. and given everything that was said. Yeah, I, it's, I don't see Olivia. I don't see Olivia winning the season. Mm-hmm. So I think that her time, she's she's one that I could see if, is could be next on the chopping block. We'll see how long she lasts. I don't know, Taylor. We'll see. You know where you can All find right. out is over on this uh, uh, rumor mill. And where would I find that? Afterthought.com slash afterthoughtmedia. Oh, interesting. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, that's going to do it this week for RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Be sure to join us next week and every week as we continue to discuss, dissect, and deconstruct each brand new episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 13. So, for Joe Batance and myself, sashay away. Thank you for listening to RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Have something to say? Email us at dragracerecap at afterthought.media. For more Drag Race and LGBTQ content, support us over at Patreon at patreon.com slash afterthoughtmedia. You can follow Tanner the Latte Boy on Instagram and Twitter at P-I-M-C Taylor. Follow Joe Batanz on Instagram at Joe Batanz. That's J-O-E-B-E-T-A-N-C-E. This episode was produced by Luke Stamen. Drag Race Recap is an Afterthought Media podcast.